Welcome back to KafaroCast, everyone. Frank here, riding solo. I just kind of sort of just got back from Idaho on a uh, mule deer hunt, and I'm joined by my good buddy from Idaho, the one and only Jordan Cower. What's going on, Jordan? Not much, man. How are you? Doing doing good, man. Doing good. So, um, yeah, Jordan and I, we we went on this uh, this mule deer hunt. It was the end of the uh, kind of towards the end of the general season there. So um, we sort of kind of I tried to uh, well Jordan planned it all out. I I'm bad at uh, at commitment apparently because I was going back and forth between whether I could go or not. We just had a lot of stuff going on here at work and then um, kind of short staffed in customer service. So luckily uh luckily it's kind of a longer trip it's a trip that you and and uh you do every year and i think you and jason your buddy jason that was also there with us he does it as well so um it's a longer trip for you guys so i kind of had a little bit of leeway and on when i could go in there but um yeah thanks for the invite and uh yeah we're kind of kind of talk about that stuff today so, yeah freaking one week you're like yeah i'm coming then text me two days later oh i can't and then a month later oh i'm coming no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a game time decision. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of stuff going on here. And uh, Anders and Dana both had hunts. So Anders, I think he drew a pretty good deer tag here in Colorado. And then uh, Dana had planned a, a, a whitetail hunt. I think she was in Indiana or Illinois or one of those states. But um, yeah, so luckily it all worked out. But I um, mean, yeah, a little backstory on this. Uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but I think I've known Jordan for probably four or five years now. Um, I kind of met you right after I started. So, um, you were still working back then with, uh, you're kind of teamed up with Ross with the switchback outdoors. And, and this was right around when we came out with a newer generation of, uh, duplex frame. I think it was right when we came out with the hunting frames and, um, we were kind of short stocked on them and we were going to hook you guys all up with, uh, with packs. Well, um, it was getting closer to season. We were low on inventory and we couldn't quite get you guys all packed. So I, um, I had a couple of uh, prototypes and I sent one out to you and I think I sent one out to another guy and, um, that's kind of how we started our relationship, but we didn't talk a whole much, a whole bunch from there. And then, uh, we went to the expo in Salt Lake city and, um, Aaron was doing an Instagram story when we were in the hotel room getting ready to go for the day. And, uh, I was putting my socks on and I had like this old pair of like Nike socks and the heels were worn out. So when I went to put the socks on, I pulled them up and I just ripped straight through the heel of the sock. And, uh, <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing, but, um, later that day, I'm sitting there at the booth and uh, a guy walks up and he has a pair of socks and it's Jordan and he's like, hey, I bought these for you. Thanks for letting me use your pack. So um, it was just kind of a funny story on, on how we became friends. And uh, I think that that day or that that week at the show, we kind of just BSed a little bit and you invited me to come out bear hunting, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We went bear hunting. I think that next, was it that spring or was it the following year? I can't even remember. Yeah, it's been a while. How long ago that was? Yeah, it was, it's been a while. So that would uh, that would have been my first um, my first bear hunt, I think. Also, because I, you know, we don't have spring bear here in Colorado, and usually I don't even pick up a a fall bear license. Every once in a while, I might have one in my pocket, but it's not really something we do here. Um, what we focus on here, especially in the fall, because it can be pretty hit or miss on whether you're finding bears or even seeing bears. Well, you know, we see a, a fair yeah, amount yeah. in the spring. What's that? 
you never killed a bear. And then I think he shot what, like three within a 10 month period. He shot one <laughs> yeah. that spring and then one that fall and another one the next spring. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I went a little, went a little ham on the, on the bear hunting, but, um, yeah, it was cool. You invited me out. We went out with, uh, with one of our, uh, our friends now, your friend at the time, Wes, um, he's become a pretty good friend as well. And, uh, we went out to, um, to a few spots and you kind of, that's kind of where it kind of, uh, I kind of got more, I guess, uh, more of an interest in long range shooting. Cause if, uh, if you guys aren't aware, if you live in Idaho, it's almost a requirement that you know how to shoot long range or, and, or hunt rocks. So we did a lot of shooting. Um, you guys kind of schooled me up on what kind of setup I needed. And, uh, we kind of went out there and, and I will say I may have missed a bear or two on the first portion of that hunt. That wasn't even very long range either. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't make any excuses. Was, there's probably a lot of excitement involved, but uh, we're shooting across a canyon there, and we there's this little opening in this big patch of timber where we kept seeing these these bears walk by, and um, not sure if there was if it was like rut activity or if they were kind of going to someone else's bait or what was going on. We didn't set baits that year, but. Um, we'd, we'd spotted a couple, uh, bears walking through these, these little openings in these, in this deep timber. So we were across a canyon on an old closed logging road and just happened to see this bear and he perfectly stood up right in this opening. It wasn't a huge opening. And, uh, I don't know, it was probably like four or 500 yards or something like that. And, uh, I swear I shot, I shot at it and the bullet curved like that movie wanted with, uh, with Brad Pitt or I think it was Brad Pitt. Um. No, maybe it wasn't. It was Angelina Jolie, but anyway, yeah, shot at that bear and I missed it. And you guys are like, what, dude? That was not even that long of a shot compared to what you guys are used to doing. So that was a, uh, it was a, it was a funny start to long range shooting for me. It was a good time though. A lot of laughs. Yeah, no, it was, it was and a great. And you finally killed a bear on the last day. So yeah, it all worked out. It actually came right down to it. That was a funny trip because, uh, just about everything that could go wrong with, uh, trailers, did go wrong so jordan had uh you had your your side by side and i think you had tracks on it at that time because a lot of this some of the spots before we kind of pinpoint where we were finding bears we were we were driving up on your uh on your razor with the tracks because the snow was so deep so um you had your trailer and i think on the second day maybe you might i think you snapped it was was it the axle that snapped is that what happened yeah freaking driving down the road and all of a sudden my trailer kind of locks up and I look it's all tilted and uh, the hub snapped right off of it, so it was dragging on the ground. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, it was funny. So we had to do we had to do some redneck engineering on on. Uh, I don't think we had a tape measure, and we weren't quite sure exactly how big of an axle or how long of an axle. Well, not necessarily the length, but where the uh, the brackets on where it would attach to the trailer. We needed those to be welded on. So I think uh, I think we did a little bit of rednecking and measured the gap between the two with a paracord. Wasn't that it? And then we uh, we had to yeah. Try, we had well, to, we didn't have any tools to pull it off, so we were just kind of guessing. We had to go buy tools. <laughs> had to go buy an axle. Yeah. So so we had to so we ditched the trailer. We slept on the side of the road that night. Uh, ditched the trailer and the, and the side by side left them in a kind of a, a pull off on the side of the road and had to drive. Uh, I think it was like an hour and a half back to the nearest town and just so happened to be like a tractor supply or an Ace Hardware or something like that. And they. I was like seriously doubting that they would have an axle for the trailer, but they just so happened to have one. And, uh, 
I think we then had to you had you bought that, and then we had to go to uh, to a welder to have them weld on the on the brackets. And um, when we got back to the trailer, it wasn't an exact fit, so there was a lot of uh, I think I think we had to stand or stand on the trailer, stand on the axle or something just to kind of like tweak it into position to where you could bolt it together. So yeah, it was, it was very redneck and kind of Western. It was funny. Um, I took a bunch of pictures and it almost made it home too. So yeah, we almost made it home. So we go, we, uh, we, we ended up leaving that spot. The bear activity kind of fizzled off there and we got to the last day and uh, we went to a different spot and uh, just so happened that, it was like the last hour and a half, maybe hour of the of the hunt before we were heading back. I had to to fly home, and um, you like look up on this ridge, and this bear is kind of out in the open on this grassy hillside, because a lot of most of it was just all timber and stuff. And we we look up on this grassy hillside, and this bear is just coming straight down the down the mountain. So uh, we got into position, got set up. Um, you also had a bear tag set of west, and you guys were super. Uh, generous enough to to let me take the shot and um yeah it ended up being like a 250 yard shot on the bear and ended up smoking with uh i think it was with your 300 rum at the time which ended up being mine eventually but uh smoked him and uh it all worked out well so got the bear on the ground and next morning we we're planning on going back to town and i had to fly out and uh shortly down the highway there we had a blowout of your tire right so yeah, and well, I blew out a tire when the axle fell, so we had to go buy wheels and tires, too. We got the new axle, so I put one of the bad tires back on that didn't blow out, and fuck, we made it the rest of the way home. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so we've had, uh, yeah, that's that's been a few years now, and so we've, we've, had, some, we've had some fun hunts since then. We've, I've been uh, bear hunting with you, I think, two or three other times after that, and then uh, we've done a couple of, uh, of deer hunts, and we've... We had uh, Matt Davis with us. He works at Mountain Ops now, and I think David D. Austin was with us on one of those hunts. Um, yeah, so we've had we've had some good some good hunts. So we are back now from I guess this would be the third time I've been out with you. Uh, the first couple times I I went with you, I got deer both times. So yeah, I mean I had no um, no doubt that we'd be we'd be seeing the deer, and this is a hunt that you've been you've been inviting me on for. The last few years, um, which I've been excited to do because there's not a lot of, uh, in Colorado, um, and I'm not sure about other states, but rut hunts or hunts closer to the rut, they require um, at least a few points to draw, whereas Idaho, on their general tag, you can, parts of the state, you can get into into that rut. So, um, yeah, I was really excited. Um, Decided to, uh, well, Jordan's been telling me about this hunt for a while and telling me how cold it was going to be and probably be uh, probably be a lot of snow and we'd probably only be able to get in there with tracks, but this year was kind of a, a bit of a weird year. We didn't have a whole heck of a lot of snow this year. So, no, kind of, well, you were having fun seeing all those deer, but I thought it sucked because we were seeing deer like we normally do, but it's got a nice not freezing every day, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it, this was a good hunt um, for for weather as far as not not dying of the cold. Um, just not to circle back too far, but uh, I think the first deer hunt I went on with you a couple years ago, um, it was in I think it was like middle of October, so it wasn't like late season or anything like that. And I think we both brought twenty degree sleeping bags, and we were using your sawtooth for the stove. And if it wasn't for that stove, we probably both would have frozen to death because I think we had our sleeping bags. You had your Whoopi. 
we kind of like had to drape the Whoopi over both of us. jackets on. <laughs> yeah, it was a cold hunt. Uh, that was a funny one. We um, we were going up to this glassing spot every day, and and uh, I think on the second day we come up to this, or maybe on the first morning we come up to it this. Is that gl- first morning? Yeah, come up to the glassing spot. Um, Jordan has his rifle covers on on his rifles, and I think I had uh, flown up there and, and I was going to borrow one of your guns, and I had your Tika, and then you had your your three hundred rum, and um, just so happened right on the other side of this this point, there's I think five bucks and. Uh, and there were some some good ones, and one of them you ended up shooting. But uh, we pull off, the, we 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 see these bucks. We're all bundled up, and uh, we got the rifle covers on, and trying to we see the bucks. We try to pop these rifle covers off, which it didn't take too long. We had the guns and the gun bears, so we had quick access to the rifles. Pop the gun bears off, rack a shell, and uh, I go to aim at at the deer, and and the uh, the scope is on max power because uh, I think the, a day or two before you were just you double checked zero, so. It was at max power, um, and I couldn't quite get on the deer. And uh, I think I took a shot, and I did. I ended up missing it. And we we're like, "Damn, man! I can't believe those things got away." They kind of went into a, a canyon, and and uh, we're sitting there for a couple minutes, and then we just look up, and they they actually crossed the canyon, went straight up across from us, and, and stopped. And um, you kind of proned out, and you ended up shooting that really nice buck that day. Uh, the, right after that so that was that was pretty cool um but yeah the weather conditions for that one were were weird it seemed like especially this year also here in colorado we like skipped fall during october went straight into winter and then now here in november we're back to fall so it was it was kind of a weird weird weather um weather pattern this year but uh yeah we've had we've had some good hunts the first buck i shot this year in the middle of october it was the snow a ton then and i could never stay warm and we're hiking around in our t-shirts in November, so they kind of swapped. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely so, definitely interesting. But uh, yeah, so this hunt, this is a cool hunt. This is a this is a hunt that you and Jason do every year. Basically, uh, under normal circumstances, when there is snow, you kind of you guys go in on on your razor or four wheelers with tracks because that is the only way in, and uh, set up a wall tent, and then. Um, you kind of do a lot of glassing, you hiking on these trails, or even some spots you can glass from the road on these on these big wide open ridges. So that's kind of what we did. Uh, there wasn't any snow, so the weather was was pretty pretty good. I was able to drive my Forerunner all the way to camp, and then we took your Razor from there. Um, and first morning we. Uh, it's kind of funny. You're like, yeah, well, we were going to camp in this one spot, but there was a, a horse trailer blocking the road. So, you know, there's a north facing slope and there's still snow from a, from an earlier storm this October on it. And some guy brought his horse trailer in there and, and he kind of got, got a, one wheel off, off the road there and it was pretty steep and it got stuck. So the only thing that was getting past the road there was just uh, side by sides, which seemed like everyone else that was hunting that area had one. So it wasn't like a, a major inconvenience, but um, yeah, we got out there first morning, hiked up this trail to a glassing spot that you like to go to. It's probably like three quarters of a mile, nothing too crazy. And, uh, right off the bat, we're seeing bucks. Um, and I think you said the day, so that the day I showed up, uh, your buddy, Jason, he ended up tagging out first thing in the morning, right? When you guys got to the trailhead, you guys saw a pretty gnarly buck right there off the trail, right? So yeah, we pulled up, we kind of slept in, we were tired from the day before. And well, we hunted quite a few days for that. We set elk, actually, elk hunted a couple of days where we went in and we kind of slept in and got to the trailhead and we're putting our backpacks on and he's kind of freezes. He's like, stop it, here's something. We look and there's a bunch of does just right off the trail and 
he glasses down there. He's like, oh, he's like, there's a buck. And he's kind of walking towards it. He's like, oh, he's like, it's not very big. It's not very wide. And then uh, it turns his head and it has like a five-inch kicker on the one side. And he's like, oh, freak. He's like, I'm going to shoot that thing. So we go grab the guns and stuff. And it kind of worked its way down the ridge. We kind of followed it down there and ended up shooting it. And I think that's some of the coolest bases I've ever seen. I think, oh, all together has 23 scoreable points on it. And most of them are on its bases. So, yeah, just a, yeah, just a gnarly buck. Like, uh, I think you guys said the frame was somewhere around 150 inches and then just had tons of extra little weird points at the bases and had this big old gnarly kicker off the side. So that was pretty cool to, um, to see on the first day I got there and you guys were like, yeah, did you see his buck? And we went out there and looked at it and man, that thing was cool. I have some pictures up on my Instagram from the hunt and, uh, you guys took some, some photos of it when, uh, right after you killed it. And yeah, man, that was just a super unique, just wild looking buck, which is the weirdest points of the bases. So, so yeah, driving in that night before and seeing that, you know, I was I had my confidence up pretty high. So first morning we got up to that glassing spot off the, off that same trail. And, uh, yeah, we were seeing, we were seeing tons of bucks right away. And, um, yeah, I gotta, I definitely have to commend you guys. You guys are anybody I've ever known from Idaho. They're all good at glassing. So you guys are spotting bucks right away. And I'm over here, like trying to, trying to see what you guys are looking at. But a lot of these, a lot of these deer that we're, we're finding, um, they're over, I don't know, I'd say on average, they're about 2000 yards away plus, right? Yeah. We, we say we'll find deer anywhere from a couple hundred yards up to, we glass bucks up sometimes and we'll just kind of like get out of the spotting scope and look and like, yeah, there's no way we can even get to him. Like when we have our spotting scopes on max power, we're standing <laughs> hillside that are way too far to even go after. And it's like, oh, I was on 60 power looking six miles away. Yeah, that was so, funny that, that one morning we're like, uh, you see that mountain over there with the snow on it across the canyon, across the river? Jason said he spotted some deer over there the other day. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's not anything we can do about those ones. <laughs> no. But, that's uh, the monster box that's swimming in that river that time of year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, just to kind of paint the picture for everybody, it's basically what it, it, it is, or it seemed like to me, this is the only time I've ever hunted it, but you've hunted it for years. It seems to be kind of like a a migration area where these deer are sort of uh, starting to move into their wintering grounds. And also this is kind of a, a big ridge um, slash Canyon where they do, they have a lot of rut activity. So um, I think on our best day, we probably saw somewhere in the realm of 15 bucks. And on the worst day, we'd, we'd see at least five. So um, from what you were telling me on, on good years, the average you're seeing or, you know, bucks with four points at least on one side you're seeing about at the very least 15 of them so it was a it was a cool area it was a cool corridor where you're a lot of the time we're seeing new bucks and then sometimes we're seeing the same bucks over over the the period of the hunt so i was there for four days and man i i don't think we had a i would from what i would say um i we didn't have a bad day of hunting we were always in the deer so yeah it was it was a little slower than usual but it wasn't wasn't bad by any means so yeah, so it was pretty cool. So uh, I think, um, you know, I'm I'm like the last person you would think of when you think of a trophy hunter. Uh, I was telling Jason, the guy that was your buddy that was with us um, in years past when we went hunting, I've tried to shoot like four corns, two-pointers, and uh, and you wouldn't let me. So um, that's, uh, you know, I'm definitely an opportunist and I like, I, I love deer meat, so I'm not one to pass up deer, but um, had a super lucky year this year, um, ended up with, uh, 
quite a bit of meat in the freezer. So um, I decided I would, uh, I would definitely, I, this would probably be my one and only time, but I would th- try my hand at, uh, at some, at some quote unquote trophy hunting or try to hold out for a, a bit of a bigger deer. And it's kind of funny, Ryan Avery called me before I left and he was like, yeah, you're not going to do that. I know how you are. And then I kind of told you about it and you're like, yeah, right, dude. So, <laughs> so I, I knew the odds were against me on this one for, uh, for holding out, but you know, I definitely, um, we definitely saw some some good bucks, and uh, on the, on day two, we decided that we wanted to hike a little further than the glassing spot. We ended up um, into some some cool uh, basins back off the trail there, and and uh, I don't know, probably five ten minutes into into glassing, you're like, dude, I just found a, a pretty sweet buck. It's got its uh, its main beams kind of curl in towards its nose, and and we looked for that thing for at least two or three hours and it just disappeared there was kind of a dead tree right in front of us where we were glassing and uh it just so happened to be like right behind a branch when you spotted it and then we we looked for it and it must have just laid down we we couldn't find it so the joke of the day was jordan was full of shit and he was lying about this buck. <laughs> so. well i saw my binos i had my binos and that was like i said that was close to two thousand yards away i think mm-hmm. so i glassed my binos i'm like holy crap i can tell that's a big buck from here through my binos like, it's probably a good buck, so I hurry and go to the spotting scope on, and then, yeah, literally, I think it was, like, that was first thing in the morning, it was, what, 1, 2 o'clock before we found it again? Yeah, yeah, so in that in that, that gap, that time period between when you first saw that buck and then when we respotted it, I think on that same hillside I found, or we all found a, a two-point, and I'm like, dude, are you sure it wasn't that two-point? You're like, you guys are dickheads. That is definitely not the same buck, and then uh, I ended up... F- um, kind of walking down the the hill that we were on, and I found a uh, a bedded four point, which was a pretty good looking deer. It wasn't anything huge, and it was kind of like your average four pointer, a lot like the um, the deer I shot in Alberta this year, just uh, you know your prototypical uh, four point buck. So, and we thought about him for a while. It was only day two of the hunt for me, so I was just like, ah oh, man, I guess I'll, I'll try to sort of hold out and see what else we see. But um, later that afternoon, yeah, like you're saying, uh, you were spotting it, and you're like. Like what's up, bitches? Listen, I found that buck again, and uh, sure thing, yeah, we you spotted it, and it was uh, it was kind of rutting and chasing some does right right around where you where you lost it. So we we kind of just guessed that it it maybe it, it laid down, and um, you know, and as uh, typical Jordan fash- fashion, he just he's like, dude, if you want to go shoot it, you can, and uh, I was like, nah, you you spotted the deer, and uh, I think you should I think you should go after it, so. We uh, we kind of devised a plan. It was kind of cool because it was also a little bit lucky that that deer was on the upper edge of the uh, on the basin on the other side, so there wasn't going to be like a huge hike to get over to it. So we kind of just walked the got up on the rim of the uh, of the canyon there and, and headed over. And it was kind of funny. Like I was, I had to retie my boots and readjust my gaiters and stuff. So you kind of took off. You're like, I'm going to go ahead of you, and then you can catch up because. Um, you sometimes hike faster than I do. So I saw that you went up and I kind of like side hilled to cut off to try to catch up to you. And I'm like, I got ahead of you somehow. And I'm like waiting for like 10 minutes and you come up and you're like, dude, where have you been? I've been waiting for you for 10 minutes. Uh, so that was kind of funny, but, um, yeah, so we got over and, uh, we, there was, uh, man, there probably were at least, uh, I'd say 50 to 80 elk just up into the left of those, uh, to the left of the deer there. So we kind of had to tiptoe our way around just to find the deer without spooking those elk, so it wouldn't spook the deer. And uh, I think I laid down, laid down right in a spot where a cow took a piss because it just smelled like elk vagine. 
And I was like, dude, I can taste elk piss right where I'm at. <laughs> you were just laughing at well, me. Well, we're hoping to shoot it from there. Like, that was what, only about 400 yards. Mm-hmm. We thought we could see the whole basin good, but it was just down low enough. We had to scoot closer from there. But like I said, we're trying not to stoop that. I heard elk is only bedded maybe 200 yards above that buck. Mm-hmm. And if those things took off, it'd probably take everything with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so we couldn't see the we couldn't see the elk or the deer from uh, our first initial spot. So we decided to to get closer, and I think we ended up about 180 yards from the deer when you shot it. But it was, it was funny. We were sneaking up closer, and I think I like I stepped on like a twig or something. And you're like, "Shh, be quiet." And then like two steps later, you stepped on this huge ass branch, and it fucking it was so loud. <laughs> and I was like. Yeah, what was that you stepped on? You're like, yeah, it was a loud ass branch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see it was under the snow. But, <laughs> yeah. no, so we get over there, we can see that whole freaking canyon. And my buddy Jason stayed on the other side of the spotting scopes. And I'll tell you what, an in reach is the absolute worst thing to try and use to locate animals between buddies. So, yeah, he sent us a text. He's like, oh, it's in the branch or in the group of live pines with a dead tree leaning to the left. I'm like, it's like, seven different freaking groups of live pines with dead trees in it. Like, so yeah. we're sitting there trying to figure out which group of pines it was. Yeah, the Delorme is a, a great tool for survival, but for communication, for quick communication, definitely not not desirable. And it was funny when he sent that that text, he said the dead tree leaning left, and we like looked around and laughed. And then all of a sudden we like looked down, and there was a dead tree leaning left in the middle of these pines, and we're like, dude, that's got to be it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We probably, uh, we probably sat up there for 20 minutes before the deer got up. He ended up being actually just laying right on the other side of these pines. We couldn't see. And I had time to go back. We dropped our packs probably 20, 30 yards back. So I got, went back to our packs, grabbed, uh, grabbed our puffy jackets. It was starting to get a little windy and cold. And, um, right when and I got you grab some snacks. and snacks, yeah, I'm a fat bastard, but, uh, so yeah, we, uh, we got all set up. You had your, your rifle on the bipod set up on a log and it worked out perfectly that that deer ended up getting up out of its bed, uh, walked up and started to pee. And I think you, you, uh, 12 ringed it right there at 180 yards. So it was a perfect shot right behind the shoulder. And, and, um, yeah, I think maybe it ran like 20 yards and just kind of piled up. So that was, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool, uh, little, sequence of events that that happened there and you're kind of you're using a, a new rifle that you got this year and with some uh with uh, some prototype ammo is it or is it just some new ammo that's new to the market can you talk about that a little bit yeah I, uh so i do i do some reviews for longrangeonly.com they kind of specialize in long range shooting stuff so they sent me a rifle it's made by axial precision and it has a lot of cool technology in it um they're, they're out of Boise, Idaho. It's a local Idaho company, but they, they have a system. I'm not sure how it works, but they align everything in the more precise stuff is, the better your rifle shoots, obviously. So they have a, their actions is set up to where they align the bolt, the barrel, like chamber, everything is like perfectly in line. Um, I'm still trying to do some more research on that, but that gun shoots phenomenal. And then cutting edge, they, they're kind of the king of the, extreme long range world uh at the moment like i think most of the long range record shots are with cutting edge bullets um they're solid copper bullets and i'm pretty sure each one of them is made on a lathe it's not like a, a molded bullet um and they shoot very very good 
so they, yeah, they sent me a bunch of those bullets and they're new this year and they wanted me to go try and kill some stuff with them. So unfortunately shoot three deer with them. I wasn't able to notch an elk tag with them, but no, they, they're devastating bullets and they shoot really well. So, uh, for guys like in California and stuff, I mean, all copper bullet, like it's probably one of your best long range bullets you could find right now. So, but yeah, they're big old long sons of guns though, where you can't have lead in them. So they look awesome. They shoot great. So yeah, it was a pretty cool setup you had there. It looked like you were shooting a fucking, uh, a spear or something. They're so long, but, um, yeah, it's funny that, uh, that you have that set up because it's very capable of, of extreme long range shots under the right conditions. And I think you said that all of your shots this year on, on the animals you've taken so far have all been, uh, pretty much chip shots for you under 200 yards. So yeah, the first buck I shot this year, we were set up to shoot about six, 700 yards and a blizzard moved in and I didn't want him to get away. So we snuck over there and luckily I found him or saw him before he saw me bedded down and ended up shooting him offhand at like 60 yards. And then I put in for extra doe tags every year. It's a great opportunity to take my kids out and get them involved. And went up there, and uh, the guy let me on his property. And they said, oh, go up on this ridge. You'll find some deer. We walk up there, and the deer walk out at, like, 200 yards even. And Which, that's cool. My kids can see it a lot better than five, six, seven hundred yards away. They can see what's going on. And kind of got them to sneak a little bit. We had to move up a draw to get set up to where we could shoot. So it was a good time. And like I said, we were trying to set up about 400-ish yards to shoot that buck. But... We didn't think we could see where he was, so we had to move closer. And I don't know. I'm always ready to shoot long range, but if I can get close, I will. So it's not, I don't try and set myself up for the long shots, but if I need to take them. I, I feel confident I can. Yeah. So you're basically you're basically always prepared for the long stuff, but you'd prefer the closer shots. Um, right. So uh, you said that. You, so you you definitely take your kids a lot on on all of your hunts. You do you take them to the uh, to the to the blind with you and. Uh, for archery hunting on antelope and you take them on a lot of these big game hunts i think in um idaho i think you were telling me i think you have to be like 10 or 12 years old to start hunting big game but you've already they're they're younger now but you've already got them shooting uh you, you've got some guns set up for them whether it be 22s or even some uh, bigger caliber guns for them to they're already starting to learn and shooting pretty well aren't they so yeah i uh i set up one of my 260s for them i bought a chassis so i could make it fit them they're only six and eight right now uh, but my six-year-old a little bit, so I got him a fast twist twenty-two two fifty, and yeah, they they know how to dial turrets, they know how to hold wind. Uh, at a, out where we go shoot, there's a rock pile. Like they shoot out to twelve hundred yards quite often with me with that twenty-two two fifty. So they, yeah, they had their twenty-twos, and they were like, Dad, we want to shoot really far like you do. So I set them up a gun, so when we go shoot long range, they can shoot with me. So they really enjoy it. Most of my reloading, they, they help me reload. So if Frank ever has a reload that doesn't go off, I'll just blame my kids because they probably did it for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good excuse for sure. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, so at, back to the back to the hunt there. We um, we got some pictures taken and uh, got all loaded up, and, and we hiked out. So we uh, we were we were a decent ways back there, so we ended up getting back to the back to the Razor at pretty – a couple of hours after dark, I'd say. But, yeah, it was a it was a – it was a pretty decent pack out. It wasn't anything too crazy. Uh, not much elevation gain until the end there. Cause after you, when you head over to those basins that you were in, we kind of have to drop down these switchbacks on the trail, but it was a, it was a pretty sweet pack out. Um, I definitely got to say packing out any animal with three guys compared to just one or two is, 
is super ideal. So we none of our packs ended up being that heavy. And actually, I think you might have gotten the easiest part of that because I think all you had was the rack and the back strap. So me and Jason kind of got screwed. We were like your Sherpas. I, no, you didn't. You freaking loaded everything in your pack. Like, no, like, give us some of that. You're like, oh, I'm good. So don't, like, say it. Screw you, man. <laughs> I guess you're right. You voluntarily grabbed that I stuff. did, yeah, I did. I wanted, to, I wanted to help. I wanted to be the Sherpa. But, um, yeah, so we, uh, yeah, we got back. We got back pretty late. Um, we still ended up getting early, getting up early the next day. And um, back at the glassing spot there, we spotted uh, a buck that, I wanted to go after it was kind of a cool three by four buck. It looked a lot like the uh, the buck that Aaron's coach shot here in Colorado last year as a three by four. So, um, problem with where they were rutting is it was at least an hour to an hour and fifteen minute hike over to where they were. So you kind of had to catch them when they're going into these these pines, and then once they dropped into these pines, they dropped down in this ravine and they kind of sort of disappeared. So on day three, I uh, headed over there a little bit late and. Uh, ended up getting over there and was never quite able to relocate them after they went in those pines. So by the time I got there, they were already in there and uh, sat there all day long and never ended up relocating them. And then uh, last day, day four, kind of same scenario, except for uh, we got to the glassing spot first thing at first light, saw that buck and also another pretty cool four-pointer that was with uh, in that vicinity there. And they were both rutting. So I just hauled ass over there and, and got set up. Um, and just to where my, my vantage point was, uh, I just could not find that buck where he was going in the pines. I saw a few does go in there and then I, I, uh, saw some smaller bucks in those pines, um, throughout the day, but just never could quite locate it. So, so yeah, uh, trophy hunting is definitely not for me. Um, just shot a buck walking over there, that right off the trail. But yeah, I did have on the, on, on the way over there. I I had a a rutting uh, three by four cool buck. He was only a hundred yards. I, it's funny hunting uh, mule deer in the rut. A lot of the times, the bucks just you know, unless you're like pretty close to them, they just don't they don't care. They'll just look at you and then they'll just keep rutting where the, the does are pretty on on point there. But um, yeah, I I could have shot shot a buck and. Um, yeah, it was a it was a cool experience just to to see those bucks rutting. We don't get a, or at least I don't get a whole lot of opportunity here in Colorado to uh, to hunt them during the rut just because I don't stack points or anything like that. And usually it takes at least three or four to to get a pretty decent tag. So yeah, it was a it was a fun hunt, man. We um we definitely were in the deer. Like you said, it was kind of a slower year for you, but I thought it was I thought it was awesome seeing seeing that many deer and that many bucks and uh, um. Yeah, just didn't quite find what I was after the first couple of days and couldn't locate them. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. Um, so I just wanted to uh, yeah thank you and, and Jason for for inviting me out there and um, I wanted to talk about the long range shooting thing because you uh, you and a bunch of your buddies out there you guys are kind of that it's a hobby of yours and that's something that you uh, you kind of taught yourself or did you have any mentors that taught you or how did you kind of come into that part of stuff. Uh, last year we were hunting with Jake, um, Moffin, and me and him kind of got into it at the same time. Like when I started hanging out with him, he had a 22, 250, and a 300 Ultramag with like those Leopold, uh, their BC reticle and Varmint Hunter reticle. And when we shoot with him, I was like, man, this is cool. Like I remember shooting pop cans at 500 yards with this 22, 250 and shooting rock chucks. And so, yeah, it's kind of evolved from there. Like both of us just kind of upgraded, like, yeah, but it, like I said, basically just self-taught. Um, the thing that really kind of sparked my interest is uh, when we 
opened our wolf sheet and it's like, you know, like I've seen, I've seen quite a few wolves, but either they're out of range or I don't have a tag or the season's not open. Like since we've had the season, but basically I just want to be like, all right, if I see a wolf, I want to be able to have a high percentage chance of hitting it. I don't care how far away it is. So obviously my mentality is different on deer and elk and stuff. I'm not going to shoot at a deer and elk 1,500 yards, but that's kind of what drove me to that. And yeah, you get this crap about shooting rocks up here, but the, you get like your updrafts, downdrafts, like shooting across canyons and stuff. Um, going out to the range, you don't, that doesn't really teach anything where it's all flat. So we go up in the hills and stuff and we'll find rocks across the canyon and just obviously the goal is first round hit every time. So, um, the more you shoot, the more you, the better you get at it. It is a personal skill. So, and, but yeah, that's kind of why I got in the long range shooting. It's like, yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think that's a pretty good point that you bring up. It's just just like um, archery shooting because um, you know it's it's great to practice at uh, at your local arch- archery range where it's, it's flat and you're shooting out to whatever distance at a paper target. But I think um, getting out into the field and like we have some pretty cool uh, 3D courses here in the Denver area. So this American Bowman's at one course that we go to and. We have uh, another one, uh, I think it's called Backcountry Archery out in Highlands Ranch. And uh, you get diverse terrain. So you have, you have these cool cliff shots or uphill shots or side hill shots. I think it's just like archery and with rifle hunting and rifle shooting, it's it's good to um, kind of do some shooting where it's, where it's realistic because, you know, just like when you're out setting up camp, it's hard to find a, a flat spot or a perfect position for shooting. So setting up in these awkward positions and, and practicing shooting is is pretty important that's that's definitely something that i don't do as often um uh here in colorado um so it's something i'd like to to get more into but i think that's a, a great point that you bring up is just kind of doing that type of shooting finding uh those awkward positions and and testing out longer range shots or shooting across canyons and, and seeing what the wind does to your to your sh- to your shots because I think that's probably one of the harder things to account for for long range shooting is is learning the wind right. Oh yeah, you get down the elevation is easy. It's calling the wind and figuring out what it's doing because what it's doing over where your target is is totally different than where you're at usually. So reading bras, reading the branches, reading the vegetation like that's that's where it'll make a break in that's that's why i shoot big guns with heavy fast bullets it bucks the wind better like your margin of error goes down quite a bit so but yeah i i don't know i don't see as much as i used to like back before we had kids me and Wes Bunderson, we'd go shoot almost every week like i think i don't know we probably it's not much compared to prs year but we shoot five hundred thousand rounds a year probably i don't do near that much shooting anymore but i still try and shoot as much as i can yeah, getting those getting those reps in is pretty important. I think uh, one thing that helps me a lot for for rifle hunting is and kind of keeping me somewhat sharp is uh, I do a lot of predator hunting. So that's that's a good way to get a lot of trigger time as well. You know, um, shooting, doing as much hunting as I guess as you can, and and where you're going to get a lot of shots. Um, definitely kind of keep you in tune. But um, it's you can I think one thing that I noticed that I was kind of telling you about is these bigger caliber rifles that have more recoil. Um, if you're not doing everything exactly correctly, then you, you can kind of tell, um, where you screwed up. Like if you're not leaning into your, in, into your bipod, or I guess you call it preloading, then 
uh, you have a there's a bigger margin of error for for a, a high shot or you know something swinging left or right. But um, so the big problem with the big rifles, like I have that 300 Ultra, I'm reviewing them. I my personal gun's a 300 normal. Like listening, like we have good muzzle brakes, they do kick, but and they will develop a little bit of a flinch if you shoot them a lot. That's why I have a couple 260s and that 22 250. Like so we get the trigger time in, I use those and. They're cheaper to shoot, less recoil. They're they're fun fun guns to shoot. I just kind of shoot my big guns enough to know know the dope and make sure they're still dialed in the way they need to be. So it's kind of funny you said like your predator hunting stuff. That buck I shot in October, I bet it's been ten years since I shot anything freehand, and it's only sixty yards. Like I have no doubt in my mind if I can prone out, I can kill a deer five, six, seven, eight hundred yards away. <laughs> and then I have this buck at sixty yards, and I'm standing there freehand and my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't miss this. I never practice shooting, standing up freehand. I'm like, I feel a lot more comfortable like 400 yards away, prone out, than I do 60 yards away holding this rifle up freehand. I, that might be something I start practicing a little more. So I, I was really nervous right before I pulled that trigger. I'm like, oh, please don't miss. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, freehand shots are, are a little interesting. And, um, yeah, so you said you do have one of those chassis. Is, do you have a, is it an XLR chassis? Is that what you have as well? Yeah, yeah, I got an XLR chassis. Like I said, it the for a little kid, like they have smaller faces and stuff. So with that, you can adjust their cheek height so they have a proper cheek well to look through the scope. So I can adjust the length of pull. Um, I can make it fit my kids. And I tried cutting down factory stocks, tried some other things, and they just wasn't a good fit for them. And when I swapped over to this XLR. It their groups really, really improved with that and how comfortable they were and stuff. And then that chassis is so heavy, like. It took all the recoil out of that twenty two two fifty. Like it's yeah, it's a fun gun to shoot and they they shoot it a lot. Yeah, I um I picked up a, a chassis last year for my two forty three and now I have a, a couple for some other guns and um yeah, I gotta say they're I mean they're they're awesome with the amount of customization you can do to them. You can switch out the grip on them to a, like a swept grip, a vertical grip. They they, they have like an overmolded ergo grip. You can adjust the length of pull, the cheek piece on them, uh, especially with like the XLR they have, um, which are awesome guys. Uh, Matt over there, um, he's been he's been nothing but generous to us here at Kafaru, and they're they're out of Colorado as well, so I like supporting them. But um, yeah, that they have a ton of different options. So you know, you have something if you want a heavier a heavier chassis, um, which will, you know, absorb or I guess, uh, lessen the felt recoil on your rifle. Then they have that option. And they also have their magnesium, uh, their magnesium element chassis, which is super ultra light. So I have that on a Creedmoor right now. And that thing is freaking sweet. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think those are a pretty cool option for hunting and, uh, Using a chassis last year for predators, I didn't see any any um, downfall to it, and I really like the ergonomics to it. I've used a an AR-15 for a, a lot of years for for predator hunting, and I like kind of that that setup as far as like a vertical grip and the adjustability of of the stocks of a, like a collapsible stock AR-15. So I kind of just felt natural switching to that on my bolt gun. So I think. I think uh, I want to say all of my bolt guns except for one have chassis on them now, and, and I, I really like them a lot. And there's a lot of customizing you can do. You can add rails to them. You can, I don't know. I mean, there's there's just a, a number of cool things that you can do to them. So I think that's that's something that I like. And I had a, so I ended up getting that that 300 rum I have now from you, and you had an uh, an HS was it an HS stock? 
Uh, McMillan. Yeah, McMillan Game Scout is what it was. And uh, had that on there. I ended up cracking it, um, being an idiot, screwing in too deep of a screw on a, on a, on a rail, which was definitely my fault. And um, it kind of came down to the wire on if I'd have something to, to drop that, that barreled action into. And I called up Matt, and they were gracious enough to let me, uh, to lend me one of their element stock, uh, element chassis for that rifle. And it ended up working out perfectly. Ended up killing an elk a couple of days later. So, uh, can't say enough good stuff about those guys. That's a, that's a pretty cool system, but, um, yeah. So you've, you've a couple had years ago. What's that? Oh, it was a couple of years ago. I, I don't know. I never really liked to look at chassis or anything until I shot one, but after using them, like now that I have that magnesium on, I'm really considering building a gun next year with that magnesium stock because the weight was my big complaint before, but being able to fold a stock and strap it to your backpack and not have your gun hang two feet above your back, walking through brush, like that'd be awesome. With that magnesium stock they just came out with, it's supposed to be under two pounds, which is about what a carbon McMillan weighs. Like, so yeah, I've been pondering and Googling a lot the last week or two. I need to get a lighter gun and I don't know. I think you probably see me hunting with something like that next year. Yeah, they are they are super cool, and like you brought up, that folding stock is is a I think is a, a definite plus. You fold that thing up and strap it to your back, whether whether you're packing in or packing out, that you don't have that huge rifle sticking up above you, um, the barrel at least uh, sticking up above you, catching br- brush or what have you. But um, yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to later this season. I need to get another scale and weigh all my guns that have the chassis on them because they are crazy light, even with a, a suppressor attached. So. That's pretty cool. You don't um you don't have a suppressor yet, do you? No, I need to get one. Uh, I really need to get one for my kids and stuff. Like it, I can really see the benefit there with them. But I don't know. Spend my money. Well, I spend all my money on my kids. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They. I just need to add that to it. Yeah, you got your you're you're a good dad though, man. You got your kids involved in all kinds of cool stuff. So they uh they do a lot of BMX racing during the summer, and then you you got them shooting and hunting and stuff like that. So how was how was the race season for them, other than expensive? Oh, it's yeah. Like I said, we live in Southeast Idaho, and we raced in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Utah. Uh, uh, let's see, went down to California. And it sucks. All their big championship races are in September. So every weekend during archery season, I was in a different state chasing, chasing their championship races for them. But they came out good. My older boy is number one in the state. So for his age group and my younger boy is number three in the Northwest. And my older boy was sitting number one in the Northwest series, but ended up crashing on the, on the last day of the races. And so kind of bumped him back a little bit in points. I think he's sitting at number four in the Northwest. So they're good at it, so I support him. And that's about all we do is travel around, stay in hotels, and go to BMX races in the summer and fall. So. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, it's a lot of travel, but I guess you got – I'm sure they'll appreciate it one day. But um, cool, man. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was fun having you on. I think, um, you know, I've been kind of – uh brainstorming possibly maybe doing some uh maybe some wolf hunting early next year so that would be that would be pretty cool to to do i i think that's um to a lot of predator hunters that's kind of like the pinnacle for a united states predator hunting um experience if not north america so that would be that would be awesome um i know you've you said you've seen them i've seen the tracks when i've hunted with you i've never seen one in idaho i think i saw one wolf 
ever. And that was up in BC with, uh, with Lander. And of course we were archery hunting and we had this black wolf come out on this logging road and stand there at like 200 yards and just look at us for what felt like five minutes. So, um, hopefully we, uh, if, if I can get up there sometime this, uh, late winter, we can put the smack down on a couple wolves. So that's, uh, it's different every year. Like we were deer hunting, like this first year, we didn't hear any up where I took you, but Oh, I think it was three or four years ago. There was like three, four nights in a row. They'd keep us up all night howling. So, I mean, they just move around so much. One year they're there, one year they're not. Like, I don't know. And then it seems like whenever I see them have a rifle, you'll be glassing like, oh, there's a wolf. You grab your gun, get set up, and they're already up and over top of the mountain. Like, I've never seen one stand still for two seconds. So I had a couple of buddies call them in and shoot them. I just haven't been lucky enough to do it yet. Yeah, well, we'll bring plenty of ammo and just go full send. Exactly. <laughs> um, so if you, if anybody wants to uh, kind of follow along on, I know you do, you don't do a ton of Instagram or social media stuff, but if they wanted to, is it just at uh, Jordan Cower? Is that what your page is? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if you guys want to give him a follow, he's uh, he's always doing some cool hunting stuff, and and uh, yeah. So yeah, thanks, man. We appreciate you coming on, and um, yeah, hopefully we can uh, circle back this this winter and do a hunt and have a podcast after that. Right on, man. Thanks for having me on. All right. See you later, man.